Thank you, Cynthia. Good morning. If you've got a Bible, please, would you grab it? Turn to Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16. We're almost there. If you've been with us in this journey, I, this is, I forgot, 30-something sermon in, in the book of Romans. We started, I think, January. Uh, I do want to make a little uh, housekeeping announcement. Next Sunday, we will wrap up this entire book. We will have the Lord's Supper. There's an inside joke there. Uh, but we're going to celebrate that. We have a short text where Paul's going to kind of put a bow on the top of this amazing amazing book. I hope you'll come back. We'll celebrate uh, the Lord's Supper and look at the final passage. But today, in Romans chapter 16, as we're going through this book, I'll remind you over and over again that this is a real letter written by Paul to real people. And last week, just to kind of catch us up, just in case you might be here for the first time, Paul writes this letter to a church he's never been to. These people have a, a good reputation. Their faith is well known, but there's still problems. There's conflict. There's things that are going on and things happen, just like any church, just like our church. But last week, we walked through a couple of things because we believe, as, the, as Timothy says, Paul writes to Timothy, that all Scripture is God-breathed. Everything in these pages of Scripture we have is beneficial for rebuking, training, and righteousness, all these things. So we looked at a lot of names last week, and I gave you five things for us to learn from. Just kind of tie this up. We learned that our lives, to be worth remembering, can be marked by selfless service, which was what Phoebe was in, in chapter 16. One that takes risk, that we looked at Priscilla and Aquila. One that is hardworking, Mary. One that is proven and trustworthy, like Apelles. And we saw one that it truly loves the people of God. And that is a life that I said last week, worth remembering. Are you going to be remembered for things that will last? Things that, that, the, that the scriptures hold as true, for things that are eternal, things that are of the faith. And today, Paul is going to, in his last, if I would say this, his last teaching point, if you will, He's going he's gonna to put a bow at the end of it. We're going to talk about uh, the, the gospel next week. But today is kind of the last teaching point that he has in this amazing letter that he, he gave to Phoebe, who, who was trusted as a servant, and she took this to the church in Rome. Let me ask you a question. If you're writing a letter to somebody, to a, maybe, a, a, maybe you got a kid in college, actual handwritten if they still do that, uh, and you were finishing up a long letter, what would you say? What would you want them to know? Maybe a last teaching point, hey, don't forget this, or don't forget this. We'll talk about, hey, I love you, I love you, uh, blessings, but what would you want them to know? That's the heartbeat about today. It's pretty important. Today's sermon title is called Stay Focused and Stay Together. So if you would stand, if you will, we're going to read these verses. We're going to look at 17 through 23, and I want you to hear Paul's heart. His teaching point at front, he's going to talk about some people at the end, we'll talk about them, and then... We'll see some truths that he has for us today dealing with divisions, false teachers, and things like that. Chapter 16, verse 17. Paul says, I urge you, or I plead with you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teachings that you've learned. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving Christ, but their own appetites. But with smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard of your obedience, so I am full of joy over you. But I want you to be wise about what is good, and I want you to be innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will be with you, excuse me, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. Timothy, my fellow worker, sends greetings to you, as does Lucius, Jason, Sosis Bader, my relatives. Interesting note, verse 22, I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, whose hospitality and I 
for the whole church we enjoy. Sends his greetings. Erastus, who is the city's director of the public works, and our brother, Cordus, send you their greetings. Let's pray together. If you would, just bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. Uh, we, we want to emphasize prayer, give you an opportunity to do that, but this is a time for you just to have a moment by yourself. Every head bow, every eye closed, uh, just if you would, in your own heart, in your own way, we do it every week to give you a moment for you in, in your mind, in your heart. Maybe you've got a lot going on. Maybe things are going well. Maybe things are hard. Maybe you've got a lot going on this afternoon. Maybe your week has been horrible, or maybe it's been great. If you desire, would you ask the Lord to give you focus of mind and of heart and that you might grow today, that be challenged today, that we would learn and be different? If that's your heart, would you pray that? Ask him to show up and do something great. God, you've heard your people. You know our hearts. You know our minds. Uh, we just thank you so much for being here, for this corporate gathering, this time and space. Uh, God, whether somebody's visiting for the first time or maybe somebody who's every week, God, just thank you so much that you have appointed this corporate worship, this corporate gathering for us to come together, sing songs to you, sing songs about you, to open up the Bible, the God-breathed words that you have for us that we can learn and grow and be changed. God, I confess every week, I cannot change anybody, I cannot even change myself, but you, by your word, by your spirit, can do so. So if there is anybody here today, myself at the top of the list, if there is anybody in this room today that is willing and desires to be changed, desires for you to do something great in them, would you allow them, by your spirit, to step in, to lean in, and allow that to happen today? We ask it because we believe, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, um... I'm going to work backwards here. I want to do a little housekeeping in 21 and 22 and 23. There's some names mentioned. Just want to kind of give you a little housekeeping on the names. I joked last week for those who are maybe with child having a baby, there's some good names in here. I'm not going to look that way, but I'm just saying. Uh, there's some great ones. Maybe you have it picked out. Maybe you need a backup. I'm just going to throw these out there. Uh, Paul, Paul, as he's wrapping this thing up, he mentions a few people, Timothy, uh, Tertius, or Tertius, I don't know how to say all these, I do them the best I can, Lucius, Jason, Sosuspater, Gaius, Erastus. We know Timothy in 21 and 23, I just want to kind of do some housekeeping, we're going to get to the main point here. He mentions these people, Timothy, who's traveled with Paul. He wrote two letters specifically to him. We see something that may kind of blow your mind a little bit in 22 about a, a guy named Tertius or Tertius, however you want to say it. He was the scribe who says he actually wrote it down. And some of you are thinking, why well, Paul wrote this? He did, but in the time, they didn't have copiers or, or, or things like that. He was the scribe who wrote this thing down for Paul. Yeah, I think it's fascinating. At the end of this letter, he gets a little shout out. He gets to say, hey, I'm the one who wrote it down. He writes this down. Lucius, Jason's sociospater of faith, Gaius, who was a well Wealthy person, hospitable person, a man of wealth that took care of people, including Paul. And then Erastus, who was a powerful person, who also blessed those and helped advance the gospel. You can go back and listen to last week's sermon if you want, but here's the thing. I told you the quote from the movie Troy, that's, that, that, there's a, that, 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 that warrior, that come and that little boy says, I wouldn't want to fight that army, I wouldn't want to fight that giant. He says, that's why nobody's going to remember your name. The truth about us being remembered and turning the page to today's scriptures is, is what we put our value in that is eternal. That's what will be remembered. That's what will last. And as we get to the, the, the final text here in, in verse 17, I'm going to give you a couple of things because he's going to deal with false teachings and divisive people. 
He's going to deal with something that is not an issue that he's known for sure happening in Rome, but Paul on his missionary journeys has noted, just like a church like ours, people can be divisive, false teachings can creep in, people can listen to other teachings and preachings and books and authors, things that are contrary to the scriptures that we might nibble at and bite at, and he's going to say, I gotta, you got to be careful of those things. And so here's the thing. I'm going to give you six things according to the scripture. I, I had eight, but I tried to narrow it down. Uh, if you're a note taker, well, these will be back up. But Paul's going to basically, we're going to walk through these. He's going to tell us, you better be alert. You better spot the problem. You better avoid that at all costs. I'm going to talk about that. You need to know the motives of those divisive people and false teachers. And I love this. He says, I want you to be wise to good and innocent to evil. I combine those because I was trying to be quick. And then remember at the end that God wins and God is with you. So these will come back up on each one. But here's the thing. Let's jump right into it. Paul, in verse 17, he's writing to these people that he loves, great reputation. But now he wants them to stay focused on the gospel. And I want you to stay together. I'm going to mention this at the end of the sermon, but do you, do you believe that, that God has instituted the local body of Christ, the church, to reach the world? Not just to gather on Sundays, not just to come for worship, that is a biblical thing as well, to be here, but that God's going to use believers like you, not just to come and listen and learn about Jesus and go back to life, but to be ambassadors for the kingdom of God as you go out to the world. Do you believe that? Do you also believe that Satan would do whatever he can to destroy it? Absolutely. The first thing that Paul's going to tell him in verse 17, there's three things from 17, so bear with me. He's going to tell you, you better be alert. You better watch out. This will go quickly, but you remember um, back in chapter 14 when we talked about mutual disagreements, mutual things, gray areas that we can kind of agree to disagree, not a big issue, just love each other, meet sacrifice. We talked about all these kind of things. This has a lot more weight to it. This is not something where Paul's saying, just kind of stay in your corner, agree to disagree, just kind of love everybody, and just do your thing. No. He says, you need to watch out because there's going to be people that are coming, just like in Corinth, just like in other places, and just like in Olton, that are going to want to steal, kill, and destroy. And they may not even know it. There may be influences on your life in the world and preachers and teachers and gospel messages that you think are true that may sound really good, but are not. He says, you got to watch out. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, the body of Christ, watch out for those two things who cause divisions and put obstacles. The simplicity of this point is, is massive, but he says, don't be naive. You need to know your stuff. You need to put forth the effort and be alert and look around. Basketball coach, put your head on a pivot. You need to be aware. You need to see what's going on. You need to understand. Don't be naive and think that it's not out there. But the two things that he mentions, divisions, those who are going to cause divisions, those who love to stir the pot, those who love to gossip, those who love to share about others, those who love to pit people against people, those who love to draw lines in the sand, per se, and try to get people to come to their side, those who love to bond over a mutual disliking of somebody else, that may sound innocent, but it will steal, it will kill, and it will destroy a body. Paul says you better watch out for those who cause divisions, and he says for those also who put obstacles in your way that lead people away from truth, that teach or practice or model for things. And I'm going to just tell you something. The heartbeat behind this, this was so convicting for me. Not just as a pastor who preaches and wants to do the best I can to preach it as the, as the scriptures say, but as a parent, as, as, a, as a man who models things that matter, that, that what, I, what I value is important. How I view the church, how I participate in the body, how I think, uh, prioritize things in life, I am modeling, as the old saying, most things are caught, not taught. 
When our young kids see things, that's what matters to mom and dad. That's what matters to David. That's what matters. That's the priority of their life. Regardless of what they say, that's what matters. And this thought of being an obstacle or a stumbling block, as we've said before, I thought, man, I don't want to be an obstacle for somebody in my life, for my kids, for the church, for anybody. So Paul is saying, this is quickly, you better watch out because it's going to happen. There are people that want to divide and conquer people. And there are those who would put obstacles that would teach or practice or model or treat people or prioritize things that would be a problem for the body. He says you need to pay attention. That's a quick one, but look at the second one. So you need to be aware, you need to watch out for those two things that cause divisions, put obstacles. He says you got to spot the problem. See, the problem in verse 17 is this, if you can underline it, is those things that are contrary to the teachings that you've learned. Now, for us as parents in the room, yes, write it down. How do we teach our kids when things across this world that are not true, that come across, how do we know? We filter things through the gospel. We filter things through the Bible. See, the problem, this is, it gets me a little worked up here, because the problem here is that there are people or teachings or divisions or obstacles, not just bad ideas, but sinful things that are contrary to the word of God, to God and his word. So it's, it's real simple, but what's the problem, Paul says? Not just people that we don't like, not just people that are doing this. He says what they're doing, how they're living, what they're saying, what they are prioritizing, it's not just a bad idea. Are you with me? It's contrary. It is directly opposed to what you've been taught. Now, anybody in this room, have you ever had something that has come across your plate where you're like, I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's, I don't know. I shared this story several times. I'll give you the quick version. When I was in college, a sophomore at Tech, um, I was there, and this guy, I was, I don't, I was shirt. I don't even know what it was. Probably had a verse on it. I don't know. I was, the Lord was really working on me, so I wore a shirt with the verses on it. It was good. But a guy comes up to me. He was really combative and sorry. He goes, you don't believe that and practice that. And I'm like, dude, I'm just trying to get a Chick-fil-A sandwich. What are you doing? Leave me alone. And so I'm there, but we had this conversation, and he was all over me, like all over me. And I was like, dude. And I remember, I went back to my house with my roommates that was, Disgusting, by the way. I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, I sat on a couch, very questionable. Oh, actually, it was a chair, very questionable chair. I sat on that chair, and I remember sitting, and I felt like somebody punched me in the stomach. I felt like I felt like sick to my stomach, and I was like, man, I don't. I had nothing to say, nothing. I had I had nothing to come back with. And it wasn't to win the argument, but it was a it was a pillar in my life where I go back to, and I was like, I got nothing to say about what I believe. This verse that I have on my shirt, I had nothing. I wasn't prepared. Not, not to mention things that are taught in, in science classes or things that go like that, that, that go against what we believe in Scripture, all these kind of things. There are things in the world that are contrary to the teachings. And that church, that parents for your kids, that kids is what we need to do. We need to have a filter. We filter everything by God and His Word. And if it doesn't pass the test, then we push it away. Now, I don't have, I, I've had conversations with, with parents of their kids going to college, and like, there's so much out there. And I was like, you know what, here's, let me minimize this. I told the seniors last year this. Let me minimize. You don't have to know every lie in the world. You just got to know the truth. If I know the truth, if I know the scriptures, I can filter it all through there, and if it doesn't pass that test, I'm done. So what's the standard? It's the word. It's the scriptures. We filter that. Paul says in 1 Timothy 6, and just hear the heartbeat of this as Paul's writing to Timothy, who we just mentioned, he said, if anybody teaches otherwise and does not agree to the sound instruction of the Lord Jesus, 
And to the godly teaching, they are conceited and understand nothing. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels. They just want to fight. They just want to divide people. About words, look at the result of this. For divisive teachers, divisive people, look at the result of this. Controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, looking over your shoulder, everybody thinks the worst about somebody else, and constant friction between people of a corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that God, excuse me, godliness is a means to financial gain. They've missed the whole mark. Now, here's the thing. If you want to put an earmark for an unhealthy church that is divided about divisive people, false teachings have creeped in, look for envy, strife, malicious talk, people just backstabbing people, evil suspicions, everybody's assuming the worst about somebody else. Did you hear about so-and-so? Here's the line. Come on, my side. Let's bond over our mutual disliking of them. And it's so practical here where Paul says you've got to watch out, but you've got to spot the problem. Things that are contrary, it's not just a bad idea. It will destroy. And Paul's just saying, he hasn't even been to Rome yet. He gets there in, in chains. But he says, I've seen it in Corinth. I've seen it in these places. So look out for divisive people who intentionally make it harder. You know, there's some well-known preachers, teachers, authors, things like that in the world. I don't have time to go through. I'm not going to, that would love to, to draw a crowd that could draw a crowd. we got to be able to test things by the scriptures. It can't just sound good. Prosperity gospel preachers, I want to promise you something, promise you health, wealth, and all these things that God, yes, God will bless you, but there are some things that sound so true in there, but they're just caveats to unhealthy things that are not according to the scriptures. But these things, church, here's the thing. It's not just enough to spot the problem. Look at what Paul says in Colossians excuse me, chapter 2. He says, see to it that nobody takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies which depend on human tradition and elemental spiritual forces of the world rather than on Jesus. I shared that verse last year with the seniors. Um, we, had, we had a senior thing in there, and I shared that verse. That's been the heartbeat for mine for all the kids that are going out to the real world. But, man, that's a verse for us. You know, when Paul says, don't be captive, here, please hear this. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about, don't, that captive is a military term. He's saying, don't be taken prisoner of that. Now, some of you in the room, you might have bought a lie at one point in your life, and you think, man, I thought that was good, and God had to reveal truth, and you think, man, how did I believe that? It was so deceptive. I didn't think that was going to be true. Because the enemy is scheming. How did Quickly, a conversation with one of Megan's friends from high school, real quickly. He's, she caught up with him real quickly and sparing lots of details, but growing up in the church, growing up as a Christian, and he shared quickly his struggle because his father is, 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 is entertaining Jehovah's Witness. Sounds just like us. Sounds true. They, love Je- they talk about Jesus. Are we, we're on the same team, right? No. And that's just a... That's, that's just a very tip of the iceberg. It can slowly creep in of things that sound true, but they're not. Paul says, you better be careful. You've got to be alert. Spot the problem. Colossians 2, he says, make sure nobody takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies which depend on human traditions and basic principles of the world rather than Jesus. It's interesting as he keeps going. Number three, what he says in verse 17. We need to spot the problem. This, is, this may be a little curveball for some of us, but we need to be able to uh, see the things coming. But look what he says, verse 17. He says we need to avoid them 
at all costs. Now, before you start writing down, thinking, yes, I can ignore these people forever now. No, that's not what I'm telling you. Listen. He says we need to, these things that are contrary to the things that you learn, he says very clearly his instructions, it is an implicit command here, keep away from them. Got real quiet. Now, let me be very clear. Titus chapter 3 tells us that we warn a divisive person once, do we warn them a second time? And then after that, have nothing to do with them. It's very clear. Paul's com- he's very clear here. Make sure that, that such people, they're, they're, those people are warped and sinful. They're self-condemned. So here's the thing. This is not an indictment on you to be able to say, I can now ignore this person for the rest of my days in Olton because I don't like them. That's not what I'm saying. Scripture is very clear on forgiveness. Scripture is very clear on crossing the line to try to build repentance and try to do this. He just said in Tim- Titus that you warn somebody. It doesn't mean you go smack with your Bible and say, ha, number one. You got one more chance and you're out. No, we come up to them, have a conversation. We're not okay. I'm, I, what you're doing is not okay. I care about you, but that pastor you're listening to, please don't say me, that pastor you're listening to, that's not true. That, that, that ministry you've indulged, that book you're reading, that's not good for you. Divisive people, the way you're talking about people, the way you're treating, it's not good. I love you enough, I'm going to step into this. Why? Because you hurt the body of Christ. You see, it gets real that way. We don't just ignore people and go to our corners and, and wait for the, the final chance to pounce. No, we, we reconcile, we repent, we ask for forgiveness, we have conversations. But Paul is saying implicitly here over and over, if it's not something that's going to change, if it's not something that can be reconciled, if it's not something that you're going to be able to remedy because these false gospels, these false preachers, these divisive people who are putting obstacles and divisions and just causing problems, stay away. I mean, just the other day, I was on, uh, 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 like many of you, maybe this is confession time, I was on Facebook, just saw uh, like a video, you scroll the next one, and, and there was a lady that popped up, and I'm, I'm not going to, but she called herself a capital A apostle, and they were doing healings and things like that. Now, according to my interpretation of scripture, the apostleship is over, it's closed, that office is closed, but she sure had a crowd. Now I believe God will heal, God will do all of those things. But for me, it was a red flag, because I, I had a book one time that was given to me, in the back of it, it said, Apostle, so I was like, I, that, I can't do that. That's a red flag for me. Now there's other things, the people that, are, that, that dress well, look well, draw a crowd, have great music, can build a crowd, build a congregation, and speak things that sound good. And, and if they are, then you, that's great, but you better test it by the Scriptures. Paul told Timothy, 1 Timothy 6, 20-21, Timothy, who was mentioned earlier, guard what was entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter, those divisive people, those, those talkers, and the opposing ideas of what falsely is called knowledge. Lots of stuff out there that is called knowledge, but it's false. 21, which some have professed and in doing so have departed from the faith. Grace be with you all. Now, there's some easier things out there to spot those things. You're like, man, that's, if people want to emphasize works or salvation, you can earn your salvation. There's another way. Those are easy to spot, but it's the ones that are more difficult. But I put in my notes here, but I think it's fascinating to me, maybe it's just me, but how this is a first century problem and a 21st century problem. When Paul writes to a church that he's never been to, people that he loves have a great reputation, he says, you better watch out. Things are good. Get a little conflict. Every church has conflict. But he says, you better watch out because it's coming. I just saw it in Corinth. I just, I just got there. I, I was there. I saw it. Chapter, 1 Corinthians, the entire book is a basic example of what not to do. I preached on that about four years ago. Don't, just, don't be like them. 
And I mentioned Timothy several times, but in 2 Timothy 4, he says this, preach the word, be prepared in season, out of season, correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Listen to this, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine, instead to suit their own desires, selfish, whatever's good for them, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They're going to turn their ears away from truth and turn aside to myths. So we got to be alert. we got to spot the things that don't match God or his word. And Paul says, when we can't reconcile, when we can't remedy, when we can't mutually come together for the betterment of both, and we can't have healthy conversations that lead to forgiveness and repentance and, and, and unity, stay together, that's what Paul's saying, stay focused, stay together. we gotta, we got to avoid those things, we got to push them away. The fourth thing is we got to know the motive. Now we're finally to verse 18. There you go, there's three things out of one verse. But here's verse 18, look at verse 18. we got to know their motives. For such people, the such people are those who cause divisions, those who put obstacles, they're not serving the Lord Jesus, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. So help me out on here. Help me out here, excuse me. They're not serving Jesus. According to Paul, these smooth talkers, these guys that can speak with flattery, these divisive people, these such people, who are they serving? Help me out here. Somebody say it out if you're with me. Themselves, right? I think, I think it's important to know the motives of somebody. And I don't know, maybe that was just me, but I love verse 18 because it says we need to know the, the motives. These motives of divisive people, hear this, let me get very practical. The people that want to draw a line in the sand and say, let's bond over our disliking of that person, come to my side, it's not about anything other than themselves. False gospel preachers, people that want to gather a crowd, they're doing things. According to scripture, if it's not going to pass the test of God and his word, they're not serving Jesus, they're serving themselves. Those who are, are, know what God's called them to do or those who are leading to divisions and disputes and obstacles and all these things. Paul says their motives are not Jesus, though on the surface it may look like it. It's their own appetites. Smooth talk and flattery. Have you ever noticed that, that um, I don't know, it's, have you ever noticed that divisive people and false preachers and teachers, they don't, they don't always gather somebody on their side by harshness. They're usually smooth talking. But probably a pretty eloquent argument for why we can mutually disagree and not like that person. These false preachers that can be well-dressed and, 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 and gather a crowd and write good books and do things that can, it's not, they're not harsh. They don't draw a crowd by being brutally honest. It doesn't fill seats. They do that because... They want to be smooth talking and flattering because it, it gathers crowds. And why? Can I tell you this? You're not going anywhere, are you? You're listening? Can I tell you why? Because when you're on a stage like this preaching a sermon, it can be discouraging when places are empty. It can make you feel better as a communicator when you've got a full house. So the temptation where the enemy, please hear this, the enemy wants to creep in here and get communicators I'm not saying they're the victims here, but get people that are false preachers, false gospels, false, all this stuff, to get them to suit things for themselves because they feel better about what they're doing when the crowd comes. I feel that sometimes. You don't think I want to preach to a full house on a Sunday morning? Of course I do. But I hope that you will, I, I would never, I hope that I would never compromise what God has called us to do in the scriptures even if I got to preach through a whole bunch of names last week, that we're going to hold to this, what's true. And if that's not going to draw a crowd, I'm not here to draw a crowd. 
I'm telling you this because it's tempting for those, even with the best of intentions, to stand on a stage and say, implicitly, how do I make this about me? So we got to know their motives. It's about themselves. Fifthly, as we move quickly, um, Paul says we check their motives, we got to check their doctrine, we got to be alert, we got to spot the problems, we got to do the difficult things. But look at verse number five, excuse me, he says we need to be wise to good and innocent to evil. Look at verse 19. Brags on him right off the bat. He says, everybody's heard about your obedience. What a, what a, what a great compliment for a church, right? Man, everybody's heard about how faithful you are. Look, but look, at this is important. So I rejoice because of you, comma, but. Don't you hate when you're like, oh, why does it got to be but? Just give me the compliment. He says this, but I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. Let me not overcomplicate this. He doesn't want the church to be full of people that have a lot of experience in doing bad things, in dark things, evil things. He wants them to be naive or innocent. And if this helps you compute this, think of your children. This is my world where I'm at when I think of raising kids. You don't want your kids to be, man, I just want them to experience all the evil in the world and just figure it out. Nobody wants that. I hope not. Just, just do all the bad stuff and then you'll know. No, you want them to be innocent. You want them to be not, as long as possible, right? You want them to be able to, to, be able to test and approve what's out there. But Paul's parental heart for this church is, and I want you to be wise, explore the things that are good and right and true, but the things that are evil, the things that are dark, the things that you find are, are, aren't filtering through the scriptures. He says, I want you to be innocent, naive. Don't indulge that. You want them to be wise. That's, that's the Paul, Paul's heart. That's quick, but it's just so good. Paul's heart, I want them to be faithful. I want them to be obedient. Sixthly, um, verse 20 is a reminder. He says, I want you, church, to be reminded God is going to win, and he is also with you. Look at verse 20. We'll wrap this up. <clears throat> the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. I'm going to stop there because he's going to, he begins to mention the names of Erastus, the public city works, and I, I, for time's sake, I need to invest in here like verse 20. But did you notice that he says two things? Now, this, this verse, the God of peace will crush Satan under feet. It may sound very familiar to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, where Satan will be crushed by the heel uh, of Jesus. But isn't it nice to be reminded that in this final, in all these things, God wins. Flip to the end of the book, God wins. And I love the, the encouragement, but the grace of the Lord Jesus is with you. You're not alone. You're not by yourself. But here's the thing as I wrap this thing up. This is the one thing from this sixth point that just jumped out at me. And the reason I asked the question at the beginning of the sermon about if you believe that the church is what God is going to use. God instituted the local body, the gathering of believers, not just to come learn, listen, and leave, but to come and gather and to, yes, to worship and give glory to him and celebrate him, to grow in him, but then to be unleashed on the world as ambassadors for him. But the thing that jumped out at me was Paul's specific notation, are you with me, about Satan. Why did he mention Satan? I mean, I, I may have missed it. There may be other places in Romans, but I think, I, you can correct me afterwards, this may be the only time he name-dropped Satan in here. Paul understands the, the spiritual wars, the battles, and the lies, and deception, and things out there, but he, he mentions this. By the way, we win. But he mentioned Satan, and all of a sudden, in my office that I was finishing on Friday, I was like, 
Paul's wanting these guys to know, this ain't a game. This isn't a game, guys. This isn't a, this is, there is a spiritual war every day for you, for me. I say it a lot for your babies, for how they view the church, for how they view Jesus, for salvation. It's not a game. It's a war. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul writes this and he says, For our struggle, you know this, it's not against flesh and blood, but it against the rulers and, or, uh, rulers and authorities, uh, against the powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It is a spiritual war. Now, can I be honest with you? How many times do you get up in the morning and you put, get dressed for work you think, I'm going to war today? But don't. I mean, I... I don't, I'm just like, if I just get a cup of coffee and coherently make a sentence before nine, I mean, good. Like, I mean, that's, that's a good day, that's a good morning. I wish we would, though. Do you believe, you don't have to answer it loud, do you believe that there is a battle, moment by moment, day by day, I'm almost done, for the souls of man? Do you believe that? Do you believe that Satan wants to steal, kill, destroy your family, your babies, this church? He's going to want to cause quarrels, divisions, divisiveness, false gospel, lure things in here? Of course. And that's what God was just punching me in the face this, this, this week was Paul's heartbeat as, 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 a, as a father in the faith of these guys. He's like, man, this ain't a game. This is not a game. We're at war, and I want you to understand these instructions, this Today's sermon about divisive people, false teachers, stay together, stay focused. It's not like a coach here. It's not a game. Because you know what happens, friends, when you view it as a game? You get destroyed. I can tell you testimony, both in this church, the church I came from, people that I've dealt with, in my own story, in my own life, of times when I didn't view the severity of a situation, and it'll destroy you. including, but not limited to, divisive people, false teachers. That's what the scriptures are about. That is what Paul is saying. So he's imploring with these people, David, First Baptist Olton, if you're visiting and you go to another church, wherever you go, you got to be alert. You better spot the problems. You need to avoid it at all costs after you've done everything. You better know their motives. It's not Jesus. It's themselves. You need to be wise to the good. Give yourself to good, innocent of evil. Don't indulge it. Don't gain experience in the dark, evil things of the world and in sin. And remember in this journey, church, that God wins and Jesus is with you. That encourages me. And I hope it does for you. May the words of Paul, may we feel the weight of these and realize what's at stake. That we can stay focused on the gospel and stay together as a church. Let's pray together. If you would just take a second, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for just a moment before we sing our last song and we'll be done. I just want to take a moment, and I don't know, um, I'll be honest with you, I, I, I wrote in my margin that sometimes I, I may be the divisive person. I don't want to be the false teacher. There may be somebody in the room that's listening online, maybe somebody feel like, maybe you don't feel about spotting the problem, maybe you feel like, man, I feel like I've become part of that. I've indulged, I've kind of dipped my toe in divisiveness, and I don't want to do that. Maybe you need to repent, maybe you ask and pray for the Lord to protect our church, to make you spiritually aware of things in your life that may be not what God wants. Maybe you're reading a book. Maybe you're listening to You're like, I don't know. I, maybe, ask questions. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I ask this, please. 
whatever he's calling of you, whatever he's asking of you, would you just be obedient to him? The praise team is going to go ahead and they're going to sing and we're going to sing our last song. I'm going to ask that you sit and you pray. If you want to stand and sing, that's great. If you want to come down and pray, you can. I'll be here to pray with you. Dad will pray with you. But just take a moment before we move on and let the Holy Spirit speak to you and to respond. This is your time. As they sing, you respond whatever he calls you to do.